Assalamu alaikum dear brothers and sisters and welcome to another episode of the Tafsir Treasures podcast. A podcast where we delve into the verses of the Quran to connect with the book of Allah, the greatest miracle of our beloved Prophet. I hope that you enjoy and benefit from the content inshallah and like always, please let us know about any feedback regarding this episode. Having said that, let's delve straight into the Tafsir inshallah. So, um, we are talking about this story of these prophets uh, who came. We said that the Quran says that there were two of them, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent the third. We sent the third one. And people, of course, rejected their message. And then there was this person who showed up in the middle of the story who saw people uh, basically disobeying these prophets and rejecting their message. He came, he said, he uh, approached them with a number of different arguments to remind them. That you guys are supposed to listen um, and you're supposed to uh, basically accept the message of these prophets and he had some arguments right this is where we ended he said this is a person by the name of Habib and Najjar a carpenter right he said number one you guys should follow these people because these people they're not asking for any benefit they're not asking for anything in return Right, number one. Why shouldn't I worship the one who brought me into existence after I was nothing? Brought me into existence from non-existence or brought me into wujud after Adam as we say. Number three. He said, you know what, not only do you guys know this, in fact, if you take someone else as your Lord, if you take someone else as your Aliha, what will end up happening is if Ar-Rahman, if God wants to hurt you in any way, none of these idols or none of these other uh, ilahs basically, None of them are going to be able to help me. They're not going to be able to save me. They are also not going to be able to do shafa'at for me, right? In other words, uh, not only are they going to be able to like save me from God, basically, if they wanted to do shafa'at to God, that God would remove his punishment from me, they also would not be able to do uh, even that. Now, the beautiful thing in these verses is that as this individual um, by the name of Habib, as he is making these arguments, you take a look at the pronouns that he's using. It's very interesting. He's using pronouns that are uh, basically uh, personal pronouns, pronouns of himself. Why shouldn't I? Well, we know that Habib was already a believer, right? But he was wording things in such a way that he could explain the thought process to the people of, of these prophets, right? It's very different. Sometimes you come into a situation, there's someone who's doing something wrong. You come into that situation and you sit there and you say, you know what, what you guys are doing is wrong. You need to do this and you need to do that and this is how you should be doing things. There's another time when you come into it and you say, hey, I think we should be taking this approach. Or in the words of Habib and Najjar, you sit there and you say, I think I would do this in this situation, I think this would be the best option for me, 
right? He's not even a person who's being, uh, you know, he already believes, he already knows all this stuff, but he's speaking in such a way that the people of these three prophets would actually listen to him, right? And they would put him in his shoes. If I were to take someone else as my Lord, I would be in, I would be misguided. I certainly believe in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Listen to me. We said here the Mufassirin say that as soon as this person mentioned that he actually believed himself, he was killed and he became shaheed. The call from the angels came that you enter into heaven. And we said that this heaven was the heaven of Barzakh. It was not the heaven of Yawm Al-Qiyamah because that heaven is not there. We're not there yet. As this person was entering into this barzakh, into this mini heaven, which we call barzakh, he was sitting there and he was saying, I wish my people would knew. I wish my people knew what? I wish my people knew the type of forgiveness that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala dealt with me with. And how he honored me. If they only knew that if they were to turn away from some of these bad deeds, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would forgive uh, their sins. It's interesting. In the story of Prophet Nuh, he also, when he's speaking to the people of his, uh, you know, to his people, he says that my people come and turn towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. يَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ مِنْ ذُنُوبِكُمْ He will start forgiving your sins, right? In other words, it's not that you've been on this path, there's no way to turn around. No, if you come back, and you do istighfar, he will forgive your sins. And he will help you guys, right? And he will give you more wealth and all these even worldly blessings uh, that we uh, talk about. So this is where uh, we ended uh, last session. Moving on to verse number 28. Yes. Before I move on to uh, the new part of our discussion, I want to take a moment to offer my condolences on the uh, wafat of Sayyidah Khadija, our dear mother, uh, the wife of the Prophet, and inshallah, we also offer our condolences to uh, the mom of our time. And we all know that if we're sitting here and we're talking about the Quran and we're talking about Islamic history, if you're uh, attending different events uh, here and there and things of that nature, you know that, uh, you know, all, we're, we're all in debt to <laughs> Lady Khadija. Um, and uh, we pray to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that we can make her proud, uh, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum, by the way, to everyone who's with us. Uh, it's great to have you guys with us. Okay, so moving on to verse 28. What is this verse trying to say? I cannot tell you guys how many times I've heard this verse, and it wasn't clear to me what exactly this verse was trying to say. Um, and so it's interesting. I, and now I know what it means, and it's it's a really good feeling, basically. Uh, we did not send on his people min ba'dihi after they got rid of him, right? After they made him shaheed, min jundim min sama. We didn't send any armies. We didn't send any soldiers. And this is not how we do things. We don't even send anyone. So what is this verse trying to say? Okay, because you would expect the exact opposite when people reject the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they go all the way to an extent where they kill the messenger, right? Of course, Habib al-Najjar was not a prophet, but he was a person who was delivering a message. In that sense, he was a messenger. 
you would expect the bala to come and you would expect God to send down soldiers and troops, whatever the case may be, right? Yet it says, Ma we didn't do this. The only thing that we did was that we sent this really loud uh, sound, right? Or cry. And before you know it, this idha is called idha fujaiya in Arabic, right? What it means is like the type of idha where we say all of a sudden, right? That's what it means. All of a sudden, these guys were cold and motionless. Khamada is when a fire, it turns off. When it turns off, it's motionless. There's no movement and it's cold and it's dry, right? These people who had a group and they had families and they had civilizations, all that stuff, all of a sudden, they're done, right? Uh, what is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala trying to say here? Ayatollah Jawadi Amri explains this part of these verses for us. He says this, he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we know from the verses of the Qur'an that when someone disobeys Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the punishment that comes the way of that person is very much correlates with the type of sin that that person did, number one, and number two, with the importance and the greatness of those individuals involved, right? What these verses are trying to say is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, listen, these people were not even important enough for us to send down a whole army for them. We didn't even need to do that. The only thing we needed to do was what? We just needed to send a cry. This cry, this loud noise, or this loud sound. We don't know. Maybe it was from a thunderstorm. Maybe it was from lightning. We don't know what it was from, right? Maybe it was from an earthquake. Could have been from anything. The Quran is saying these people are, wor are worth of so little that we didn't even send down an army for them. You're not even worthy of us doing that. No, what we did was what? We just sent a cry and we got rid of all of them. That's the worth of these people in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As other verses of the Quran say, The heavens and the earth didn't even cry for these people. Like these whole people, they were living. We got rid of all of them all of a sudden. No one was sitting there crying for them. What does this mean? This means that these people don't carry any value. They don't carry any weight in the eyes of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's interesting because he contrasts this with times that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does send down an army. When did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala send down an army? Right? In the verses of the Quran we read, in the battle of Badr, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, I'm going to send down 3,000 angels or 5,000 angels to come and help you. So he's making this point that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala finds a group of people who are very much worthy, they carry a lot of weight and value, then what do you do? You send your special troops, <laughs> you send your special army, right? But when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is dealing with a group of people who are worth nothing in his eyes, then he doesn't even do that. All he does is he sends a cry. All of a sudden, they're dead, they're motionless. In other verses of the Quran, this one of course is about the people of Ad. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَتَرَى الْقَوْمَ فِيهَا سَرْعَى كَأَنَّهُمْ أَعْجَازُ النَّخْلِ الْخَاوِيَةِ We sent this bala on them. All of a sudden, these guys were there like a piece of wood. Nakhlin khawiya means, you know, the trunks of palm trees. If you've seen, uh, you know, a, a, a ranch uh, full of palm trees that's set on fire, when the trunk falls, it's dead. It's just lying there. 
says these guys their bodies turned out to be something like this when we sent our bala so the quran is saying these people are not worth us sending an army that's why he says and this is not what we do we never send down any people we never send down any people when the event and the incident is not worth sending down any people if it is as in the case of the muslims in the battle of badr as the quran says we sent some angels that nobody could see then if it's worthy of something like that then we will send down uh, our angels as well so this is what this verse is actually uh, talking about all right assalamu alaikum to everyone else who's joined as well so moving on he says these people are worth so little for us say hatan wahida get rid of them we don't we don't have too much time to spend on these people then he moves on ya hasratan ibad oh how regretful is this situation this is god literally feeling sorry for a group of people who blew an opportunity you don't really feel sorry for that person you feel sorry for the opportunity that they blew right ya hasratan ibad no matter what prophet we sent these guys, the only thing they did was that they made fun of this message, right? They took it lightly. Istihza means when you take something lightly. In the verses of the Quran, we have that some of Ahlul Kitab do the same, Ya Rasulullah. When you're delivering your message, they take your message lightly, right? And fundamentally, the Quran has made it clear in other verses that as these guys are taking things lightly, we are not taking things lightly. This is a point, brothers and sisters, I want to take a moment to explain right now, brothers and sisters. When we talk about this life, when we talk about this opportunity that we have, this situation that we're in, you find that the Quran is saying, listen, you got to take life seriously. Life is not a joke. This is fundamentally something that you will find the American culture is void of. You're not taught that life needs to be taken seriously. No, you're taught that life is somewhat of a joke, right? You're, talking, you're, you're taught that life, and I am taught that life is, well, you can take it lightly. It's, a don't, not, it's not too serious. Don't worry about it too much, right? But the Quran says, we didn't create the heavens and the earth. We're not messing around. This is an opportunity you have. You take it seriously or you lose out. This is why the Quran says, Ya hasratana ala ibad. How regretful was this situation? We gave them this awesome opportunity like this. The only thing that they could do was what? They could only make fun of them. They could only take this whole thing lightly. These same people who take things lightly, they make fun of the religious people, or in this case of the prophets, on Yawmul Qiyamah. At the end of Surah Mutafifin, we read, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Kanu These people, they used to make fun of the religious people. And when they used to pass by the religious people, they used to do ghams. Ghams means when you wink, right? Like they were making fun of them. Like these are the guys that believe all this nonsense. And when they went to their own people, the, the non-religious people, they went to their own people, they used to go fakihin, right? Fukaha means when you take things lightly, you're happy, right? You're making fun of people. They used to turn to the religious people, they used to say, these guys, 
they're misguided. And then the verses continue, فَالْيَوْمَ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنَ الْكُفَّارِ يَتْحَكُونَ On this day? No. The Amanu are making fun of the kuffar. They are, they are laughing at them. You guys used to laugh at us. Look at your situation today. And then the Quran quote continues, is there any better response to what they were doing than them having the same thing that that they were doing in this world, have it be having it be done to them? You were making fun of this message. Now you are being made fun of. This is the end of Surah Al Mutafifin. All right, moving on. Verse thirty-one. Don't these guys see all these other generations of people who came before us that when we made them halak, when we had them perish, that they never came back? Didn't they ever ask themselves, right? It's it's really interesting how the Quran is wording is wording this. The Quran is saying, didn't these guys ever ask themselves that all these people that we made them halak, all these people that we made them perish, where did they go? <laughs> How come they never came back? Where where did they end up? Where did they end up going? They don't ask themselves about this, right? All of these people that never came back, let me tell you where they are. They are all going to be summoned. They are all going to be ihdar, which means to summon someone to make someone present. They are all going to be summoned, summoned in our presence. They're not going anywhere. We're holding on to them because we are going to hold them accountable for all the things that we did. Right? But he's saying these people who made fun of these prophets, they don't know. They didn't look at all these other generations, all these other aqwam, what happened to them. Okay, verse 32 ends the second chapter of Surah Yasin. If you remember at the very beginning, the first session that we explained, we said there are four main chapters in Surah Yasin. Number one has to do with the prophethood of the prophet. Number two has to do with the story of these three prophets that showed up. Number three and four has to do with one. Number three, the third chapter of Surah Yasin, has to do with the signs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends to people or has given to people for them to believe in Him. And number four, has to do with Yawmul Qiyamah and the return towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So from verse 33 onwards, we are entering into the third chapter of uh, Surah Yasin. And it is a sign for them on earth. We took this earth that was dead, we revived it. And from this dead earth came these seeds that you guys find. And they eat from some of these. Okay, so what these verses are saying and how we could connect them to the story of these three prophets is this. That these guys, even if these three prophets were to have not come to them, they still should have been accepting the fact that God is there. Why? Because there's enough signs for you to see already. And as we go through these verses of the Quran, you will find that the Quran will point out ordinary things, things that we are very much used to, things that are very much normal for us many times. The Quran will point out these things and explain that no, these are extraordinary things. These are not normal things. Don't just assume that because they happen every single day, 
that they're normal they're normal and they're ordinary no there's a mastermind behind all of all of these number one we took this earth and we revived it and we brought out seeds from it and you guys eat from it and we place in it gardens from nakhil right palm trees and grapes and from these from the earth we split it open and springs gushed out from the earth these are all signs that there are someone behind all of this right now these are of course all brothers and sisters if you look at debates that people have on the topic of god's existence if you if you read the works of of the pioneers of atheism in today's world you will find that these things they will probably laugh at right and say oh this yeah okay so you're telling me god exists because uh, there's palm trees uh, because <laughs> because there are grapes right? they'll laugh at this right but if you look at it fundamentally these verses of the quran are based on very solid arguments that these things were created we know no none of us did any of this stuff so then there must be something else out there who's creating this kind of stuff right uh, that's creating nakhil that you have a date and it's this beneficial for you and you have a grape and it's that beneficial for you and we brought out springs and things have been planned out in this way so my point is the verses of the quran they will seem simple on the surface right but fundamentally they are pointing to very fundamental arguments with that have to do with the existence uh, of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's beautiful here this verse of the Quran says, وَفَجَّرْنَا And we split the earth and had these springs gush out, right? In heaven, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala explains in Surah Al-Insan that in heaven, no, there are the good people. When it comes to the springs in heaven, they are not, we are not the ones who split the earth and water gushes out in heaven. He says, يُفَجِّرُونَهَا tafjira." They are the ones who split the land or wherever they are in heaven and springs gush out, right? You know what the difference is? The difference is that people in heaven, it's not like there's a spring somewhere you have to go sit by it. No, in heaven, based on the verses of the Quran, you go, you split, you, you split your own spring, you start your own spring, you sit here and you have the power. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives the power of creation, to the human being, that the human being is able to split the earth and water will gush out in heaven based on his own will. Right? This is why in the verses of the, uh, in sorry, in hadith we have that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the human being, He says, Listen, Ya Bani Adam, you obey me, atani hatta aja'alaka mithli. You obey me, if you obey me, I will make you just like myself. Right? We know we can't we can't become like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in certain in certain aspects, but in certain aspects we can. And that hadith continues, hadith qudsi. Hadith continues, it says, I will make you such that you can create the same way I am able to create. You can bring things into existence with kun fayakun the same way I bring things into existence with kun fayakun. So yes, in this world Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says the springs we're, we're the ones who split the earth in heaven no right and in heaven 
we have four different types of springs. You have they have ma'in ghayra asin and you have water that's unpolluted, right? Okay, that makes sense. That's probably uh, for some of us that are at a lower level. And then there is other ones, anharum min labanin. There's streams of milk. Lam ta'muhu. And then there is the wine that we talk about. وَأَنْهَارٌ مِنْ خَمْرٍ لَذَّةٍ لِلشَّارَبِينَ And number four is وَأَنْهَارٌ مِنْ عَسَلٍ مُصَفَّةٍ Different types of springs. These guys, they're opening up their own springs at that point. Because at that point, these individuals are given certain powers, certain abilities that in this world, uh, we do not have. Nonetheless, this verse says, وَفَجَّرْنَا We are the ones who split the earth and we had these springs uh, you know, flow into existence. Now, I want to talk, take a moment here to address a point, and this point is a, a point that a lot of people will ask many times, especially some of our younger guys, that if the Quran is a book for 1400 years and counting, right, it's a book that uh, is supposed to be there for all people, and all cultures are supposed to be able to relate to the verses of the Quran, all languages, right, all peoples of all times and ages are supposed to be able to relate to the verses of the Qur'an. The question is this, why is it that the verses of the Qur'an, whenever they're talking about heaven, whenever they're talking about um, uh, the, the blessings in heaven, whenever they're talking about the signs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given us, even in this world, as in verse 34 that we are reading right now, why is it that the Qur'an talks about these things and the signs and the blessings that would appeal more to the Arab of the time of the Prophet as opposed to the people of later times? It's a very valid question and a very good question. In other words, why is it that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when He's counting these blessings, why doesn't He say, and we gave you gardens of avocados or we gave you, I don't know, pineapples, right? Why, why doesn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say this? Why is it always about grapes and dates? Or like when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about heaven, why is it that he's talking always about certain things that seems to appeal to the Arab of that time more than it would appeal to us today? This is a very valid question, okay? Like for example, even when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is describing the people who are in heaven, he's describing um, what they look like, right? And I don't want to go into too many details here. Even when it comes to that, it seems as though he's speaking and describing individuals who seem to appeal more to the Arab of the time of the Prophet. What's the reason behind this? Brothers and sisters, the reason why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has to do this is very similar to the point that we were discussing in our last session. We said that the intellect of the human being <clears throat> is growing over time. The Arab of the time of the Prophet need more help for them to be drawn to this heaven for them to understand these signs better they need more help that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when he's speaking to them of course this Quran is speaking to everybody but for them he has to give more help why because for them they don't understand things as well as you and I do today you and I we look at these verses of the Quran we say oh these are just examples of course in heaven there's anything that you like right in there is anything that anyone wishes. So we understand it. it's very easy for us. But the Arab of that time, it had to be appealing to them, right? 
Why? Because they are the youngest of mankind when the Prophet is re revealing his message, if you get what I mean, in terms of intellect, right? And when you're dealing with a younger child in the house, you can explain things to the elder child in a way that he'll understand. But for the younger child, you have to do more work, right? You, you can't speak too much abstract. You have to speak a little bit more intangible words, right? This is important so that we don't walk away from the Qur'an thinking, yes, this is a book that was revealed for who? For the Arab of that time. Look, even when it talks about heaven, it only talks about these things, right? No, the Qur'an, of course, has made it very clear that we talk about these things, but there are other things as well that people of all times and all ages can relate to. So that's one, that's one um, point that I wanted to mention there. I'm going to move on, not this verse. Next verse actually explains how the Qur'an has to do with all, all times and all ages. We'll get to that in just a second. Verse 35. We did all of this so that these guys could come and eat from the fruits of these trees and these gardens and, and these springs, right? The, the fruits that come from these springs. And these guys, they didn't even do any work. Okay, now there's two ways to understand this verse. It could be that these guys didn't do anything in the sense that like when God is creating, uh, you know, a, a grape, what is the work that we do? Sometimes there's no work that you do and a grape just shows up, right? A date shows up. Um, some have said no. means And the things that their hands have done in the sense of the work that they have done. But still Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying the work that they did is because we gave them the power and the ability to do these things. Why don't they thank us for any of these? Okay. Now, uh, moving on, verse 36 says this. And this verse is a little, it's a little uh, delicate that you need to really pay attention to. Subhanallah khalaqa al-azwaja kullaha, you know, blessed or flawless is the one who created the azwaj, the couples and the pairs, is another one of his signs. Kullaha, all of these pairs. What did he create in pairs? Mimma tumbitul ard, from the things that grow from the earth, which we obviously understand, like plants, right? And from themselves, because they're man and woman. Wow, very beautiful, very beautiful. If you have any of your friends who are fans of uh, science, this one is for them. Right? <laughs> With science in the Quran and you know, uh, you know, scientific references in the Quran. The Quran says, "Flawless is the one who created pairs." Now, zoj sometimes it can mean genders, sometimes it can't. It, it doesn't refer to that. Zoj in Arabic means anything that comes with something else, anything that's paired up with something else, right? Of course, in human beings, it would refer to the issue of genders. From the things that the earth has grown, and from themselves, we've also created in pairs, for we've created pairs for things that these guys have no idea of. You see, the Qur'an will speak about certain things in a very tangible manner for the Arab of that time. When he's counting blessings, he'll put more of his emphasis on things that the Arab can see with their eyes, right? That's why the verses of the Qur'an, they don't say, for example, why don't you look at the polar bear? 
and look at how great the polar bear was created, right? It doesn't say that. It doesn't say, how don't you look at the panda bear or whatever. I don't even know are pandas bears or not. Um, but it says that, why don't you look at the camel? Right? So yes, the Quran will do that. But at the same time, then the Quran will somewhat surprise you with certain references where you, the Quran is telling you, listen, you don't know as much as you think you know. We have pairs in other things as well. And what are these other things? We don't know. Maybe it might refer to the atom and, and the, the structure of, of the atom, right? And the neutrons and the uh, protons in the, in the atom, right? It could be that. We don't know. But all we know is that Quran, the Quran is telling us and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us, listen, I was talking to these Arabs. Now let me tell you guys something, you guys that live in the 21st century, right? By the way, and there's all these other things that we create in pairs that you guys have no idea about. And we, another sign that we put in there is the sign of night. From the night, we pull out the day. We strip away the day. Right? And when we do this, then all of a sudden they are in a shade. Right? Now, uh, what does this mean that we stripped away? The verses of the Quran, when they talk about day and night, there's a concept that's repeated in other surahs that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala takes the day and he has the day inserted into the night or he has the night inserted into the day, right? Or here it's saying the opposite. We're stripping away the day from the night or the night from the day. Mufassirin uh, say this has to do with the different timings of the day and night. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we are inserting the day, right? When we are inserting the day into the night, this refers to that part of the year that the day, the time of the night is slowly decreasing. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is inserting the day, right? This is the way of the Quran uh, wording it in this way. And then when he says we are inserting the night, this is the daytime, that's very long. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is slowly decreasing the amount of daytime. He is saying we're inserting what? Uh, you know, the night, right? So this is what uh, many of the Mufassirin say these verses of the Quran refer to. And this sun, it moves until it reaches a mustaqar, a point of istiqrar, a point of residence basically where it settles down this is the positioning of the al-aziz al-alim the one who is mighty and the one who is knowledgeable okay so what is this tajri what is this movement of the sun we know today that the sun does actually move it does actually move around itself it might be because of that or it might be referring to the earth moving um, and because of that, the sun being positioned in different places for us, right? Um, there's different, uh, you know, understandings of this verse. And the moon, we have positioned it in such a way that it continues and it continues. Until it reaches a point that it is like this is another one of those verses that I read, uh, I don't know, a hundred times and I didn't understand uh, the meaning of it.
Thank you, dear brothers and sisters, for tuning into another episode of the Tafsir Treasures podcast. I hope that this episode was another step for all of us to coming closer to having a deeper understanding of the Quran and the message of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you would like to stay updated on the courses, the presentations, or the other podcasts that Mizan Institute is offering, you can always follow us on the major social media platforms on Facebook, on Instagram, or Twitter. Or you can always refer to Mizan Institute's website, which is MizanInstitute.org. Finally, if there is any feedback, feel free to leave a review for the podcast, or you can always message us directly on any of these platforms so that we can benefit from your feedback for future projects, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.